I can I can actually do that live and I can do a pow right there. Boom. Boom. Wait, it didn't work. It didn't work when it's recording. Oh well. I know where to cut it. <laughs> I can I can see it physically. Remember, right now, so. second clap. Welcome to the Beards and Bible Podcast, a podcast that brings together a love for good beer and Bible discussion. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. In the words of the reformer Martin Luther, whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus, let us drink beer. So let's join our hosts, Rick and Patrick, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 17 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I'm your host, Rick. I'm your other host, Patrick. And we are happy to be back for episode number 17. We have a amazingly i don't even know how to describe this just the name of this beer is probably the best name of a beer that i think i've ever encountered i don't know sweet baby jesus was a pretty sweet baby was an unexpected beer name yes yes it was it was unexpected and it was also very good it was like i've had the i've actually had that one in my refrigerator and I'm almost don't want to drink it because I know if I drink it, it'll be gone. <laughs> I can tell you where to get it, but I want to drink it, so I'm at a dilemma. Yeah, I'll have to solve my dilemma later. I'll probably drink it and then go buy some more. I, I, I can tell you exactly where to get it at the at the one place. That, we'll do it later. Yeah, we can discuss later. Anyway, we'll so later. all right, so what do we have tonight? Tonight we have from the Funky Buddha Brewery. Great name. The great name, I mean, just the brewery name is starting off. Peanut Butter and Jelly Brown Ale. Name of it is No Crusts. No Crusts. Peanut Butter and Jelly so, Brown Ale. So the last couple of weeks we've had pretty, pretty, I would say bland looking bottles. Yes. This, the label on this one is like a barber shop, but the barber is a peanut. Who's trying the crust? Who's got tattoos and stuff? That's amazing. And then the guy is a peanut butter sandwich, and he is getting his crust trimmed. Dude, look at the I'm detail. Sorry. Like the pictures on the wall are peanuts. Is, that, is, is that a jar of peanut butter on the counter? That's what it, it looks, looks like. Oh it. my goodness! This is amazing. I really hope this is good because they put a lot of effort into the bottle. I do too. We we went fishing around on Funky Buddha's website, and the names of their beers are just—I re- mean, they're top notch. They really are. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. There's Pineapple Beach. There's Hop Gun. That's Hop fun. Gun. Hop Gun. Please tell me there's a fight, like a fighter jet on it. On the uh, bottle, there is a fighter jet. That's yes. amazing. <laughs> oh, we have to get um, that one. There's the Floridian Hefweizen. I don't know what that is. I'm gonna I'm gonna click on that and see. I wonder if that's like their Oktoberfest. 
full-on flavor, light on beer, German-style wheat beer. So I guess that's like their Blue Moon. It's German-style wheat beer. That would be similar because Blue Moon is Belgian. That's a Belgian wheat beer. Uh, Hefe Weizen. I couldn't read it to start off with. Hefe Weizen. Uh, anyway, we're not doing that one tonight. We have the peanut butter and jelly brown ale on tap for tonight. Yeah. But what are some other, let's see here, what are some other names? Let's scroll through these. Chant IPA, I Want It Now, Blueberry Cobbler. Mm. This looks fun. Core beer. Let's see what they're called. I feel like we could do a, probably a year's worth of reviews of just Funky Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> they have one called the Goodness Series. Key Lime Pie Tart Ale. I don't even know where to start with that. That sounds equal parts amazing and potentially awesome. really let it, like <laughs> a big letdown. So I drank a tart ale the other night, mm-hmm. and it was not, I, I think it was the first tart ale I've ever had, and it was not good. What was it? It was, I can't even remember. It was, okay. It was, somebody, somebody brought it to me, and mm-hmm. I tried one, and I was like, eh. Not going to be drinking any more of these. <laughs> that's fair. Okay, so back to No Crusts, because that's the one that we have yes. here. Um, no Crusts. Website says this is a fruit ale. Um, On the bottle, it says bready, fruity, and nutty. All right. So, whatever that means. Yeah. 6.4% ABV, 36 IBUs. I'm liking that. Yeah, a little lower on the uh, IBU scale yeah. for, for you there. I'm okay with that. It says it's peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter. Je- Sorry, that's peanut butter jelly. Time peanut butter jelly. <laughs> peanut butter jelly with a baseball bat. Whatever that guy was talking about. There you go. I have no idea. I still don't understand that song. I've known it since I was a kid, and I still don't understand it. All right. So uh, I guess, dude, let's crack this thing open and see what happens. Because I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited. Open the about bottle. And open jelly. your mind is what the cap says. I can do that. I can do that. Okay. It's a Buddha. So here we go. Cracking them open. One, two, three. Crack. Oh my. Dude. That smells like a peanut butter jelly sandwich. That's <laughs> exactly what I was just thinking. Literally smells like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like, oh my goodness. I am this eight is- years old again. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be... Uh, so I'm just going to start. If this is really good, I'm just going to be like, oh, I'm going to have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for lunch, a.k.a. a funky booty. You know what it smells like? <laughs> it smells like what I imagine an Uncrustable smells like. It actually, uh, so I know what an Uncrustable smell like because I have an eight-year-old. Um, and yes, that is that is a true statement. Okay, so I guess we're going to let's pour these up, see what let's happens. Let's pour it up and see what happens. Got the dark fo- or dark color going on. It smells even more like a sandwich when you pour it out. So, here, here's a little... It's definitely bready. Yeah. So, here's a little tidbit fact about Rick. One of the things I love to do in the summertime is after I cut the grass... I love to crack open a beer and drink a beer and eat a sandwich. Mm-hmm. And I may also love that sandwich to be peanut butter and jelly. 
Oh, so this is like right in your wheelhouse then, isn't it? <laughs> so this may this may be something that I have discovered where I can now eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and drink a peanut butter and jelly beer after cutting the grass in the summer. And my life might be complete after this. Maybe so. I mean, this, just the smell of this is... It's got a really nice red tint to it. It's So it's dark, but like if you hold yeah. it up to the light, it looks like you're looking through like a strawberry jelly jar. Yeah, it does. Oh, wow. All right. All right. What's bottoms up? This uh, no crusts, peanut butter and jelly, brown ale. Let's see what happens. Clank. Clankety-clank. That is phenomenal. Okay, tell me that's not really, really good. That that is everything I hoped it would be. (laughs) Funky Buddha did not disappoint. You're trying to get the last bit out of the bottle. All right, um, you're gonna go first on this one. (laughs) <laughs> um, I mean, this one is is phenomenal. I, I think this is going to be five liters for both of us. Is going to be my guess. I am I am definitely giving this five liters. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> all all day, every day. Um. Okay. So and here. All right. So I've been the one to hold out on my five liter. My first five Luther rating. And here's why. <clears throat> I wanted to find a beer that was creative, mm-hmm. different, mm-hmm. Um, like nothing I had ever had before. <clears throat> and still has that good, like, texture mm-hmm. that I like. Um, because, I, I mean, I, I really, like, I'm kind of picky and I, have, I like a specific texture in beer. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In case y'all haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> um, so the texture, the flavor, the the smell, the taste, um, all of that has to come together for me mm-hmm. in, in one beer for me to give it five losers. This one has done it. Yeah. Like, I mean, it tastes great. It goes down easy. Um, I, for it some tastes, reason, I want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich right now. exactly <laughs> like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. With beer. Like if you if you had a, if you also had a beer, imagine being no that's a bad analogy. Imagine being like in college, and you're broke, but you also go to get beer. Yes, but you make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches all the time. Exactly, and then you drink beer. That's what it, I mean. It's, it's that is the experience that we're. Like, in, instead of having grilled chicken for that night, you're having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but you've got beer, and. Like that's what that's Dude, what this is. This it, is so good. It tastes like Jif creamy peanut butter and strawberry uh smuckers. Yep. Jelly. Dude, alright, so I don't know if, if this this has to be coming from the beer. There is like it's it looks like jelly when you hold it up. Oh uh, it does. But it's got little floater things there, like little jelly seats or something. Dude, that's amazing. <laughs> No, Funky Buddha, you have so, done something. No beer in the first 16 episodes of the Beers and Bottle podcast has been able to do. That is get a double five clean sweep of 
of five Luthers on a scale of one to five. Congratulations. I think we, we need to have a round of applause or something. This is, I mean, I I didn't really know what to expect, and blown away, absolutely yeah. blown away by I how had, good this beer is. So I had in my mind this was either going to be amazing or terrible. That's what it, like I really didn't see because this being it, a middle of the road. It feels gimmicky. It does. It feels like your funky Buddha is trying to appease to like the nostalgic of the nostalgia of your childhood. Yes, or your when you were poor, <laughs> or like yesterday. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, but then, but then right. they, they, I think they've hit this one out of the freaking flavor, park, dude. Flavor is on point. Texture is on point. Um, smell is on point. Color. I just I the can't bottle. think of something wrong with this beer. I really can't. Dude, I I I, I should have expected it to be pretty decent. When I took a closer look at the bottle and realized it's a peanut giving a haircut to a sandwich. <laughs> True story. And not, True story. not just a sandwich. It is a peanut butter jelly sandwich. The detail yes. on the bottle is. And they've got tattoos. That's amazing. And he's like a he's like a he's like a biker peanut butter jelly sandwich too. I mean, he's got the big bulky arms and the the. He looks like, like he's. I'll break your kneecaps face. He's married. He's got a wedding ring. <laughs> yeah, he does. I mean, where's Mrs. Peanut Butter Jelly Sandwich? That's what I want to know. Who knows? Who knows? All the knives over there are butter spreading knives. Dude. <laughs> Funky Buddha, man. You, you just you may have just moved up to my top brewery like with that. Just with that. So so on their website it says um we can visit the brewery. We're gonna go do that. Um it, it's in Florida. That, that, okay. <laughs> Let's see here. Um, I'm going to look and see how far away this is. It, it's in Florida. How close is it to Disney World? That's all, that's all I need to that's know. That's all you need to know? <laughs> um, let's see here. Hang on. This may be so the first podcast. I have two of these. It's a uh, Fort Lauderdale area. Oh, I've been there before. I've never been there. Or I've been in that area before. Never, never been, but not against going. So, Funky Buddha, holy cow! Hey, good Un- job. Unexpected fives yes. from, the, from the both of us. Yes, and if li- fives. Funky Buddha, if you're listening, that's a hundred percent. Yes, five out of five losers. Martin Luther would be so proud of this. Um, did they have I peanut mean, butter and jelly in Martin Luther's day? I'm sure they probably had something. Close to peanut butter. I don't know. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. That was the 1500s. Yeah. Anyway. I haven't studied the uh, dietary patterns of fi- the 15 to 1600s. So I don't know. Well, there you go. <laughs> so Funky Buddha, wow. you get five, double five. We're proud. Um, we're glad that you're the first one to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. It is entirely worthy of the double fives that it has received. Mm-hmm. I believe and now so. we're going to move on. We're going to move on to a very wonderful topic in concise theology. We are going to talk about man's inability.
And we're back. Still, re- still reveling over. We're still, we're still, we're still, we're still, we're still kind of in shock, honestly. <laughs> but okay, so tonight we're going to talk about inability. What J.I. Packer calls inability. You're a dirty Calvinist, is what you are. I'm just, I'm just. <laughs> we're just talking about what what Packer talked about. Whether or not we agree with it is is between us and God, I guess. So, um, so this, so this inability Packer describes it as, um, fallen human beings being both free and enslaved, which is contradictory. We know, and, um, we'll dive into that a little bit more. So, but is it contradictory? I mean, dictionary definition. Yes. Scripturally, no. So here's question mark. So here's a question. Think think about like slavery, okay? Like legit slavery, like legit slavery, like 1800 okay. slavery. Yes, okay. Like American chattel slavery. Is a slave free to leave whenever they want to? Yes. <laughs> like they could leave they just if they got caught they'd get punished they'd probably get shot or killed but they still have the ability to leave mm-hmm. if they want to yeah okay so do we have the ability to not sin following that logic <laughs> yes there's there is a difference. There is a difference that, that I would argue between what we understand as slavery and what actual slavery is, and and so <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's amazing. Sorry, just I realized just, something on the bottle cap. <laughs> I just flip. I actually just flipped back over uh, to the thing, so you would you would pop up and here's what mine says. Uh, it's fuzzy. I can't read it. It says hops, barley, and love. Anyway, sorry. We, we're ADHD kicked in. Sorry. <laughs> we're, 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 being, we're still being distracted by Funky Boot over here. Exactly. So, so anyway, um, so yeah, so I would argue that slavery, when we talk about slavery from a scriptural standpoint, that it's not the slavery that Western Americans understand. Agreed. Okay. I would agree uh, with that. Because even, like, even if you talk about slavery in the first century, it's completely different from the way, mm-hmm. uh, you know, modern Western Americans understand slavery. Right. You know, we think we think chattel slavery, um, you know, versus, versus first century slavery was probably more like employment. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yep, 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 yep. So, so I mean, and, and even go go all the way back to the very beginning, you have Joseph, um, and and Joseph and Laban, and he want Joseph wants to marry. No, 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 it's not Joseph. It's Jacob. Sorry, I'm getting my I'm getting my patriarchs mixed mixed up. So he wants to marry uh, Rachel, mm-hmm. but he ends up marrying Leah, and then he serves seven more. So he's in he's essentially an indentured servant to to Laban. Mm-hmm. For 14 years so that he can marry the, the girl that he wants to marry. Right. So, you know, in terms, he, he is a slave because he binds himself 
to that to Laban to serve those years for in order to get a payment. You know, right. it's going to be the daughter. Right. So, so that that's kind of more in line with with slavery, um, as far as what the Bible describes yeah. slavery to be. Yeah, yeah. When we and so and then you take that argument to like Paul, mm-hmm. where Paul Paul says in I think it's in Romans six where it's like we are a slave to sin or we were a slave to sin until God renews us. And then we're no longer slaves to sin, but now we're slaves to righteousness. So the, the reality is that we are as people slaves to something, no matter what exactly, you know, so, so we are, we're going to be slaves to something. Yeah. Whether it's our flesh or whether it's to God, we're going to be slaves. Yeah. That our, our nature is to serve something. Exactly. Whether that, you know, exactly, like you said, whether it's God or something else, that's that is yeah. up to us. So, so now taking that thought and building on what we talked about last week, the fall and original sin. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, because of Adam, we are all born into sin. Mm-hmm. We're all born into sin and guilt. We're slaves to sin, and 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 then you pair that with Ephesians two, and you say. Because of our sin, we are dead. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. Mm-hmm. And so that means that salvation is not something that we have the ability to get for ourselves. Right. It's not something that we can earn. It's not something that we can get. It's mm-hmm. not something that we can do. It's not, you know, it, it, and I've heard this, I've heard, and I, I may have mentioned it before, you know, you you have preachers that have said, you know, if you'll do the 99, or God's already done the 99%, you just have to do the 1%. Right. And, and well, last week we talked about if 1% of our salvation is up to us, we're 100% lost. Exactly. So that's where you get to the idea of inability. Mm-hmm. Because if you're even 1% able, then then you're 100% lost. Yeah. Yeah. And, or if, I mean, if there's anything we could have, if there was ever anything we could have done to merit or to earn salvation then Jesus didn't need to come. Exactly. If we can be perfect apart from Jesus, from the work, the person and work of Christ, then there's something that we can do to earn our salvation. Right. And, and this was a, this was a debate. This is a debate that's been going on for years. So you go all the way back to like the, the, the early patristic fathers, the Mm -hmm. beginnings uh, of church history. You got these two guys that are kind of going at it. One of them's named, Augustine, the other one's named uh, Pelagius, mm-hmm. and so you you hear the term. Oh, that's how you pronounce that, Pelagius. I yes. was reading it in the in this chapter, and I was like, Pelagius, Pelagius, Pelagius. Okay, that makes so, sense. So, so you have you really have kind of two positions when it comes to this, and and this is where. In, in modern day, we refer to this as Calvinism versus Arminianism, okay. but it really goes all the way back to Augustinianism versus Pelagianism. Uh, now, it should be noted that Pelagius was also uh, condemned at one of the councils as a heretic. So he uh, Pelagius is officially a heretic, according to a council. Okay. I can't remember exactly which one it is. Um, but, but he is. And so you have these positions where they, they kind of try to do this mediating thing. Cause Augustine says, man is completely depraved. There's nothing in man that's good. God does all of the work. God does everything a hundred percent from the beginning. It's all of God. Whereas Pelagius said, you know, okay, well, no, there's some good in man 
and that goodness is enough for him to choose God. And and so I would be um, interested to see where Pelagius got that from Scripture. Of course, so, there wasn't really Scripture at that point. Well, no, there was. I mean, we we have uh, documented New Testament, completed New Testament oh. as early as the second century. Oh, okay. Now, you, I mean, there. So you got guys like Bart Ehrman who would argue that the New Testament that we know didn't exist until the fourth century, the Council of Nicaea, um, in three twenty five. Mm-hmm. So, so that's when he says Christianity is officially formed is in the fourth century. Well, the reality is no. There was a there was a uh, an accepted canon long before Nicaea. It's kind of like Nicaea was just kind of when it was all officially done. Like. Like, they got together and said, this is, from this point forward, this is what we're going to say is canon. But yeah, it had been kind of accepted what the canon was yes. up, up until yeah, that point. It had been largely accepted what the canon was. Okay. I mean, you had, you had guys like Justin Martyr in the, in the mid to late second century who wrote this thing called the Diatessaron, which is a, an attempt to harmonize all four Gospels together into one big, long Gospel. And so, so you know, you, that's where, and that's kind of where they were they were getting out. They were like, all right, we need to we need to lay this thing down and, and really set it out so that we stop all of this kind of stuff. Because mm-hmm. you had another heretic named Marcion who said, no, only these books are good, and you have to reject all this other stuff. And and you have the Marcionite New Testament, and um, and so you know, and and, it, and what he what Marcion was doing was really cutting out the books of the Bible that contradicted the things that he wanted to believe. Um, and that's what you end up getting a lot of times is is this almost deistic view that says if something disagrees with me, then obviously it just needs to be cast out of the Bible. And so all of that builds up and, and really kind of comes to a head with the Arian controversy, mm-hmm. which, which really solidifies. Uh, it started just before the Council of Nicaea uh, in like 318 and kind of went on for a little while afterwards. And then they solved that one in Constantinople in 381. But... But you you have you have this development of the canon, and and then from that you really have the the test of scripture where you can say okay either this conforms to scripture or it does not conform to scripture, um, and that's when guys like Augustine and Pelagius and um, Nestorius in in the fifth century I think you know he came out with some stuff that was heretical and but it, but because we had because there was an officially established canon at that point. You really had a test of scripture to say no, this does or does not line up, and that's why Pelagius was was condemned as a heretic. Gotcha. So there's a little bit of church history. I don't know if y'all were interested in church history tonight, but that was kind of interesting to just to sit back and and listen because you were just like, and then this happened, and then this happened, and 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 And I can't remember like what I had for breakfast this morning. Sometimes, so well, I, I had to write some papers on it. So, I did not. Oh, I learned a few things when I wrote papers. <laughs> I did not. So, all right. But anyway, so we're talking about inability. All that, and, all that, to get back. <laughs> all that church history to get us back around to inability. Um, the Bible verse that that Packer lists, which I, I think is kind of uh, fun, but I, I don't think I would have picked this one. So the Bible verse that Packer uses is Jeremiah seventeen nine, where it says, "The heart is deceitful above all things." And beyond cure, who can understand it? And why wouldn't you use that one? Well, I mean, I would. 
kind of in a roundabout way. Because what what he's getting at is that he's driving at the point that our hearts will always tend trend us towards sin. Mm-hmm. So you and, and I mean maybe I would have picked like Romans three ten where it says no one is righteous, no not one, no one seeks after God, no one longs for God. Like, Has he used much New Testament in these verses though? Um, I think this Old Testament thing is just kind of like par for the course for him. That's probably true. He does like the he does like the Old Testament. Um, I'm 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 just you know I'm playing devil I'm playing devil's advocate here, so that's all oh, no. I'm doing. Oh no, that's Genesis. Sorry, I thought that said Galatians. Different. I was, <laughs> I was looking at like I was looking at a couple of the next ones. I was like, no, nope, that's Old Testament too. Um, he I mean, so he uses New Testament when he gets down when he gets down into this, but when he gets to the but, stuff uh, that pertains to the New Testament, <laughs> yeah. But so here's here's one of the ones that I would have used. This is Ezekiel thirty six. Um, 24 and it's, and it's God talking about restoring the nation of Israel. And he mm-hmm. says, for I will take from you the nations and gather for you all of the countries and will bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle you sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit. You, you see where I'm driving at there? Yeah, I do. Every, everything, everything that happens. Everything about that is God is saying, I will do this. I will yes. do this. I will do this. And if you've ever read the books of Ezekiel and Jeremiah, like that's the refrain mm-hmm. over and over and over again is that God does all of this. And so so that that kind of becomes the starting point or the foundation for being able to say, okay, it seems pretty clear in Scripture that man is unable to do the right thing on his own apart right. from God. Right. And so he needs God to intervene on his behalf. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's where we get to the idea of inability in scripture. Does that make sense? Yes. So walk us through a little bit of what Packer says while I drink some more peanut butter. Okay. Um, so Packer introduces this idea that I've, I've never heard of, and I don't know if you've heard of it either, Rick. Um, this idea of uh, the difference between free agency and free will. Um, I mean, had you ever heard that before? It was it was a new, so maybe a little like I kind of have thought about it, but I had not worded it like that, and it had never. Packer made it very clear right. for me. Okay, so free agency. Um, Packer says that all humans are free agents in the sense that we make our own decisions as to what we'll do, choosing as we please in the light of our sense of right and wrong and the inclinations that we feel. Um, so, yeah. Um, this is So this is much along the lines of what guys like Calvin and Luther argued. Okay. When they said, they said, no, you do not have the ability, your will is bound, your will will not choose God, yet you're still responsible for your moral choices. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that, you know, and that's where a lot of people say, oh, no, 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 that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make logical sense. But, but what's happening is they're arguing, they're really kind of arguing two things at once mm-hmm. because they're saying, no, we are still free agents and our wills will choose the wrong thing 
not our agency will choose the wrong thing, but our wills will choose the wrong thing. But our wills are the representative of our agents. Does that does that kind of make sense? Not at all. <laughs> because okay, so what you end up with, and especially if you take like um, a hyper Calvinistic point of view, so hyper Calvinism trends toward what we would describe as fatalism. Which is, it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter how you do it, it doesn't matter anything, God is going to do, uh, he's going to do it, and it's done, and there's nothing you can do to change it, and everything that happens is, is God, and, and you're gonna, you know, if you get up in the morning and you stub your toe, you, you better rejoice in God. If you're married and your husband cheats on you, you better rejoice because God made your husband cheat, you know, and all that, like, all of that kind of stuff. Um, that's like, I, that's the whole, whatever will happen will happen. Exactly. Exactly. So I do not subscribe to fatalism. Um, because, because that takes away our agency. Okay. And I believe we still have free agency. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I do know is that scripture says in Proverbs 16, that a man's heart will make plans, but the Lord will direct his steps. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gives us the ability to, to think rationally, to think logically, to do all of these things, yet at the same time, he is the one leading and guiding and directing. Yes. Does that, yeah. yeah. So he, he's the one that's establishing the plans. He's the one that's bringing them to fruition in the midst of our own free agency to plan and think and grow um, because I mean, really, if you get to if you get to fatalism, or if you take the hyper Calvinist view, then you really don't believe in a doctrine of sanctification, right? Because you just say, "Well, I'm going to do what I'm going to do," and that's just going to be the end of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas, whereas my view would say, "No, you still have to work out your sanctification. You still have to work out, as Paul would say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling." Right. Okay. Um, one, one of the interesting things that I think about is, is salvation in the new Testament is never referred to in the past tense. It's, it's typically always referred to either in present or future tense. So it's something that's either you, you kind of are doing at the moment or you're continually doing through the future. It's it's a present, it's a present event or an ongoing process. It's an ongoing. Yeah. And most of the time it's an ongoing process. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that's why you have, you have this idea of when you read the new Testament, you know, you know, um, I'm trying to think, uh, for all those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's future tense, mm-hmm. you know, uh, first John one nine, if you confess with your mouth that he is faithful and just and forgive us our sins. Um, and, and all of this stuff is, is if you do this, then you will be, then you will be is, is a lot of, is what, yeah. what it's worded as a lot of times. And so salvation is the total salvation is never something that we experience here on earth. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to try to unpack this just a little bit. I'm going to clarify a little bit what I, cause I know everybody just went, <gasps> um, because yes, we experience salvation on earth, but what we experience is justification. Mm-hmm. So we're justified by faith alone. And then we go through the process of sanctification that leads us to our glorification, which is the completion of our salvation. Got it. Yep. So if you have, in, in it's Romans 8, 28 through 30, 
I'm going to look through this one. Um, it's what we call the golden chain of salvation. Let me get over here to Romans real quick. All right, so 28 through 30. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those who he justified, he also glorified. So you have, that's, that's what's called the, the golden chain of salvation. Um, and, and salvation is when that process is completely finished. You have, you have been given salvation. Um, so on the earth, we, we are saved. Yes, but we're also still in the process of being saved. Got it. Um, and so you'll, you'll have, you'll hear theologians talk about the already not yet tension of scripture. Mm -hmm. So we know something is going to happen, even though it may have not happened yet. So it's already happened as if it's done, but it's also in the process of being done, so it's not yet completed. Mm. Does that make sense? Sort of. Sort of. Okay. I mean, that's one of those things in Scripture where if it, like, if we could wrap our mind around it, the the how and why and all that, like, it, like why would it be important kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's see here. You talk, you talked about glorification a little bit. This is something yes. Packer touched on that I was like, hmm, never thought of it that way. So, once we are glorified, we will still make choices in accordance to our nature. And those choices won't be any the less the product of free agency just because they will always be good and right. So what Packer yes. says. Yes. So, so when we are fully glorified, um, our humanness doesn't go away. Yes. And and, 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 and part of me is like, that, that doesn't line up with what I hear a lot from the pulpit regarding yeah. glorification. Yeah. Well, okay, so you have to remember that glorification is the end mm -hmm. that's the final that's the final thing so we in our state now we have not yet been glorified right so we won't reach the state of glorification until either we a die or until jesus comes back mm -hmm. okay so even though we are yes technically glorified in that in that when we do die we will reach glorification and god sees you remember god stands outside of time so he sees us in our glorified state um, he knows us in our glorified mm -hmm, state. Mm -hmm. um, we don't know us in our glorified state yet, and so that is our process of sanctification. So I think I think maybe maybe what you may be thinking is at the moment of of justification is where we are made completely right, and and in some aspects, yes, we are glorified in that we are declared to be not guilty at that moment. Mm -hmm, at the moment mm -hmm. of justification, we're declared to be not guilty before God. And then in our life, through the process of the rest of our life, we work our salvation um, with the whole with the guidance of the Holy Spirit to be to get to the process of glorification. And that process in between justification and glorification is called sanctification. Does that make sense? Yeah. So once we get there, because I, I think I know where you're where you're talking about. You're talking about um, 
us being moral agents and Packer says it this way. Um, let's see, they're moral agents. So Adam was before, before and after, was both before and after he sinned, so are we now. And so are the glorified saints who are confirmed in grace in such a sense that they no longer have it in them to sin. Inability to sin will be one of the delights of the glories of heaven, but will not terminate anyone's humanness. Glorified saints will will still make choices in accordance with their nature, mm-hmm. uh, and those choices will not be any the less the product of human free agency, just because they will always be good and right. So, uh, and I, I see what you're saying. Where where Packer's saying we're we are glorified saints in the eternal aspect. Mm-hmm. Of it, yes, but we're not glorified saints right at this moment right. in present time right. for us. So, so that's. It's glorification is one of those really weird things for me. Like I want to understand it, but I just can't. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, or I feel like I don't sometimes. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah, and and again, you you you're here with this already not yet tension of of what Scripture presents. Really, I mean, from the beginning, from Genesis to Revelation, it mm-hmm. presents this. Right. This. <coughs> I got something going on in my throat tonight. Uh, sorry about that, um, but yeah. So, so when we when we take that idea and we apply it to to free will, all right. When we take the idea of we're here, we're free agents, but we're also bound by either sin or we we have been we have been given a heart of flesh from God. One of the two is going to happen. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay. For those who are in Christ, for those who have professed his name, um, for those who have put their faith and trust in Christ, they are the ones who have the heart of flesh that that, uh, that we read about in Ezekiel. And so at, at the point of justification, God takes our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh so that we now have the ability, he has given us the ability to make choices. Right. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? And that's where we that's where we begin to work out um, our will because at that point uh, we're not slaves to sin anymore. Now we're slaves to righteousness, mm-hmm. is what Romans six would yep. say. That's when mm-hmm. we become slaves to righteousness, and so now we're bound by what righteousness tells us we should do. Mm-hmm. And and how does this work out in the Christian's life? Well, if you've ever done something wrong and you go, mm, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. That's that's the heart of righteousness saying. Yep, that wasn't right. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you go to a Disney movie, it's Jiminy Cricket telling you let your conscience be your god. Yeah. Um, you know, we as Christians from a Christian worldview, we would say no, we don't let our conscience be our god. We let Scripture and what the Word of God says be our god, and that's right. what leads us and guides us in, in all of our choices, mm-hmm. or or we at least make an attempt to do that. Right. So so at that point, our free agency has really been kind of combined with our free will. And we we work those two things out together through the Spirit of God, but we have to have had that that heart of stone replaced, and justification have taken place for that to happen. Does that make sense? Yes. Sort of. Sort of. Inability is a really hard hard thing to mm-hmm. for a lot of people to to think about. Because like on the on the surface it's pretty simple, like inability, there is nothing we can do 
to merit salvation. Right. So, like, that's a pretty simple explanation of it, I think. But then when you start getting into free will, free agency, we're slaves to one thing, and then we, when we're saved, we're slaves to something else, like we're mm-hmm. slaves to Jesus, and then how that all, like, is a part of the process of sanctification to, mm-hmm. to the ultimate end of glorification, it's kind of, it gets much more complicated than it appears to be on the surface. Yes. Yep. I, I really liked the way Packer ended um, the, the final chapter on this discussion on inability. It says, and I'm just going to read this, this last kind of half of this last paragraph. It says, the truth about free agency and about Christ freeing sins slave from sin's dominion can be expressed more clearly if the word will is dropped and each person says. Now he's saying, he's saying, you drop the word will out of it, and we just say it this way. I am the morally responsible free agency. I am the slave of sin whom Christ must liberate. I am the fallen being who who only have it in me to choose against God until God renews my heart. Mm. And and so, you you know, you take that back to the passage of, of in Ezekiel where it says that, uh, where God says, I will be the one to give you this. I will be the one to do that. And and what it is is God saying, I'm going to give. I'm going to do. I'm going to be the one to provide. Mm-hmm. Whereas all we have to do is say, I'm the one that's broken. I'm the one that needs to be replaced. I'm the one that, you know, and we recognize our part in that. And and really it's not until God changes our hearts that we're even able to see that. Right. It's not until God reveals in us through this Holy Spirit our need for him. That we're, that we're even able to say that that we need God. that we need God. Yeah. So that's why, and that's why Paul says that no one seeks after God, right? Because they don't. No. Apart from the Spirit of God mm-hmm. working and the Spirit of God moving, and apart from the person who works. Yeah. Christ. And, until you've had that encounter with God, there's no. Like I, I remember being a teenager, not caring anything about pursuing Jesus yeah. until I learned about my need for Him. Yeah, yeah, and and you learning about your need for him is the Holy Spirit working, and that's why uh, later on in Romans in chapter ten, Paul will say, "Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God." So, we we can't be given faith until we've heard the gospel proclaimed mm-hmm. to us, and it's at the point, uh, you know, if if God gives His Spirit to that to that person who hears the word. If they hear it and there's no spirit involvement, then they're they're not going to respond to it. Their their ability, their mm-hmm. inability to respond is still there. But if God gives His Spirit, gives that regenerating faith, and gives that regenerating Spirit to that person at the moment they hear, it's a magical work and it's a miracle of the work of God that that even one person is saved. Yeah, yeah, we've talked so, about that before for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we when we talked a little bit about election earlier, we, we mm-hmm. done that predestination. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a discussion on, uh, on our inability that we are, um, if you, if you really want to nail it down, uh, the, the position would be called total depravity. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the total depravity of man's heart. It's the total depravity of everything within man that says there is nothing good within us, uh, unless God intervenes in our situation. Yeah. I think Packer kind of just wrap it up. He put that, he put it in a really good way. He yeah. said, we have no natural ability to discern and choose God's way. 
because we have no natural inclination Godward. Yes, that is true. That is true. So, there's there's inability. I knew I knew we'd only get through one topic tonight. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably good. So, so there we go. Yep, there we go. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear your suggestions. Uh, we hey, have our first double five. We got our first double five. We also in this past week had our first email from a listener. That's right. That's right. Appreciate you, Benny. Yeah, it was also our first <laughs> guest. So I don't know how. You know, I don't know how that works for us, so... Benny, Benny felt sorry for us because we gave him a shout-out and begged him to send us an email, so he sent us an email. That's what it, I think that's what it was, so... Thanks for that, Benny. We appreciate you. <laughs> anyone, else out, anyone else out there, hit us up on on the... Send us emails. Yeah, do it. Beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. Do it. Or send us messages on Instagram at beersandbible underscore. Mm-hmm. Or join us in following on Twitter on at beersandbibleP1. Yes. Do all those. Do all three. Do all of those things. All three of those things. And if you're not on yes. one of those, then we're sorry. We are, we are not. Then get on that one simply for the purpose of following us. Yep. Do it. So, there you go. Hey, have a good week. Yep. We appreciate you hanging out with us, talking about man's inability, and enjoying the first double five. Luther from Rick and Patrick. Yep. A.K.A. Rick Patrick. Uh, until next week. We hope you have a wonderful week and enjoy some good funky Buddha no crusts. Peace out. See ya. You enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible. Please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast.